What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. April is a huge month for TV, and starting this weekend, the Recapables feed returns to give you in-depth analysis on your favorite TV shows, including Killing Eve, Billions, and many more. There will also be a special Precapables series on the Recapables feed on the final season of Game of Thrones, where our staff forecasts what will happen every Sunday on the show. So make sure to subscribe now before the premiere of Killing Eve and Game of Thrones on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Recapables, the Ringer's TV podcast where we recap shows that are on right now. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. You may have been expecting Kate Howell and Allison Herman talking about Killing Eve or Riley McAtee and Zach Cram talking about Game of Thrones. But no, we have hijacked this feed for one episode to talk about a very important television show that has many fans at the Ringer, and it is The Bold Type on Freeform. The Bold Type. What it's a, a show. Great show. If you don't know Amanda and I, we appear on other podcasts. Together, we are on Jam Session on Channel 33. Separately, I host Bachelor Party, and Amanda appears on The Big Picture quite often. I do. And we've also been on The Rewatchables together. Uh, we will again in the future. And who knows where else you'll find us. But those are just a few places. And right now, we're here to convince you to watch this show. So it just started last It just started last night with season three. It's about three young women who work at Scarlet Magazine together. And that is based on uh, Marie Claire? Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan. And Cosmopolitan it was actually, at least in the first season, involved somewhat mm. in the production. Or it was one of those production deals where magazines sell rights. Joanna Coles, sure. who was at the time the editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan. And just fantastic was in a producer. general. Joanna Coles. She yeah. still, still gets a producer credit. Yes. So it is... Pretty close to Cosmopolitan, though it borrows from all of the glossy fashion magazines right. and especially women's magazines of that era, which we're going to talk more about. If you know me or Juliet, you know that that is an area of interest for us. Big time. So this is the beginning of season three. In season one, they were kind of like just getting comfortable working and like the, th- the three, the, the they is three best friends, Kat, Sutton, and Jane. Yes. And so you've got Jane the writer. Yes. Sutton, who is the aspiring fashion editor. Yes. They're all aspiring. Jane, the aspiring writer. Sutton, the aspiring fashion editor. And Kat, who is the aspiring digital uh, social media. She's the real wonderkind of of the group. Like She has her own team. She leads the social media department. She is like doing creative social media marketing all the time. Yes. And she's kind of, her career was definitely ahead of Sutton and Jane's. But like emotionally, she came out as, she realized she was a lesbian season one. Yes. And this has just been like a, a long path for her. It's been really fascinating how, to watch it and see how it goes. She fell for a young Muslim w- woman who was a photographer. And now they're broken up at the beginning of season three. Yes. And that's kind of like where we pick things up with her. Jane is a writer who's like really sticks to her guns and like goes after the story. How yeah. do you feel about the depiction of Jane? Well, she's kind of the, she's the old-fashioned one. She and I think that she like the pilot is the ostensible center of the show. She is like strides in through the lobby and very famously is like Joan Didion yeah. and Rachel Syme walked this yeah. lobby, which I no comment on the name checks there. But Jane is the traditional one who's like, I'm gonna be a magazine writer and I think she has some honest writer traits, including making it about herself all the damn time. Yes. And believing that her story is and her byline is more important than really anything else. And she is learning 
in real time as a person that that's not always the case, just as many writers throughout the industry are learning that, you know, it's not just the writing that gets the attention all of the time. Sure. Jane's also the one who's like on like the the broadest sexual journey, I would say, even though Kat <laughs> is the one for who is newly lesbian or, you know, exploring that. But I feel like Jane is the one who's had the most like sexual awakening, basically, from the beginning of the first season. Well, certainly in the beginning of season three, which we'll talk about the first scene of season three, though, shout out to the good people at the Bold Type and Freeform for that. Yes. But yeah, so in season one, she is kind of not quite dating, It's but, but regularly sleeping with a guy, basically her counterpoint at the mail magazine called Pinstripe. Pinstripe. And so he just goes by Pinstripe. Yes. And that's one of, the, one of the reasons why this show is so good. It picks up the tropes that, like, I guess you could say, like, Sex and the City started of, like, giving boyfriends personas among a friend group. Yes. And it's like, it just rings so true. And and I actually wanted to ask you, like, why do you like this show so much? Like, as we're outlining who everyone is, like, what's the general ethos that, like, pulled you in? Because you watched it all, like, in a weekend Mm -hmm. when it first came out Mm -hmm. and then recommended it to me, and so I did so as well. And now I love it. Like, I'm so happy it's back. Yes. I mean, there are a couple things, and I will talk more about the media criticism, but as someone who has worked at a women's magazine and who worked in New York in this genre for a long time, and to an extent still does. I mean, we both are still in digital media. It is really, really accurate and smart, and even the things that are completely inaccurate and are are funny and interesting. So I like its depiction of the world. That's always been an interest for mine. Like, Devil Wears Prada is my favorite movie of all time, as everyone knows. But I like that. And then I just think it's a really winning portrait of friendship. They are the three actresses who are the um, three—it's Katie Stevens who plays Jane Sloan. She was on American Idol. That's how she became famous. Really? Oh, Yeah. yeah. That's right. Aisha D, who plays Kat, and Megan Fahey, who plays Sutton. She's my favorite. Yeah. They have great chemistry, and there is something very honest and uncomplicated about their friendship. We were talking with our producer, Kaya, before this podcast, and Kaya will speak more about this, and remarking on this is an earnest show. It's definitely on Freeform, which used to be ABC Family, and it is about 20-something women— uh, which is younger than myself and Juliet. I'm That's 33. Fine. That's great. <laughs> um, and it is, I think, supposed to be all age group. There are lessons embedded. It is supposed to be feel good and uplifting. And I think female forward, if not feminist. I think it would identify as feminist because the women's magazine is definitely feminist and is in, always engaging yeah. with like women-centric issues. But so it's definitely. It can go towards episode of the week or a little, uh, not didactic, but uh, instructional. Yeah. But it is still really smart. And I think the details it gets right, it is observational and clever. And you care about the plot. And I'm invested in these three performances and these three characters. And I think also we forget that people, like TV doesn't have to be morally reprehensible to to be valuable. and. I just, I like spending time with them every week. I know. Also, there's great music on the show. Like, good sort of, like, indie pop. Great outfits. Like, really good clothing. Well, we'll talk about that. Some really good outfits. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
And like, it's a fun show. Like it tackles a lot of serious topics, but ultimately it's like fun to watch and fun to be in that world. And for me, one thing that I discuss all the time on podcasts is I just, I like it when things are about work. Like that rings so true to me because my job is such a big part of my life. And for them, their jobs are the biggest thing in their life. And actually their relationships several plot lines are about like balancing relationship versus work and like which do you choose and on numerous occasions they've chosen work and I think that is actually really honest to a certain type of woman who goes to college and then wants to work in media or any other competitive field that is not really discussed that often and I really appreciate it. It's true. They're ambitious and they really do prioritize their careers. However, it it very rarely— it never goes into actual catfighting or never no. pitting women against each other, even though there is competition, even though there and are— they fight. And there are some uh, women who aren't really towing the bold type line, if you will, <laughs> but they avoid— they avoid pitting everyone against each other. And that's—I think that's valuable as well. Because it is fun. That's the other thing. We don't—most TV shows aren't fun. Right. Like, they really, really yeah, aren't. Even the, like, really good ones, it's just like, okay, well, now I have to gear myself up for 90 minutes of There's watching— There's two fun like, shows. Yeah. One is The Bold Type, and yes. the other is Younger. And they really are. That's the two most fun shows. And they are both shows. about publishing in New York City and, and have, women of a certain age. And a fair amount of sex on both of them. Yeah, that's true. But those are the two straight-up fun shows. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there's nothing negative about them. Love Younger. Can't wait for that to come back, too. Amanda— do we need to cover anything else for the where they are in this episode? I guess we should just say that the yeah, sort of— Yeah, let's do the, the basic plot of what's sure. happening. So, And this was also—I had to go back and watch the end of season two, so I didn't remember. Yes. I'm going to try to give the broadest possible strokes. Okay. So Jane started at Scarlet as a writer, mm-hmm. and then at the end of season one was like, I need to go find myself. And she works at, like, what is basically Slate, as yes. I understand it, except Slate doesn't work out for her because she's not cynical enough. And— then she freelances for a while, and that's terrible. And at the end of season two, she finds her way back to Scarlet. Scarlet and to Pinstripe, her boyfriend. Yes, that's true. She was dating a really cute Australian Such doctor, a cute, hot doctor in season two, who I think was quite supportive of. She there's a whole plotline where Jane has the BRCA gene, and I, which they handle pretty sensitively, I yes, think, very well. And then, very realistically, she dumps the boyfriend who takes it seriously (laughs) and goes back to the guy who's like she has great sexual chemistry with. She dumps the one who presents her with like a binder full of options of what she can do like with her medical condition. And And she talks with her through it and talks that she lost her mother to get, you know, she it's they explore a lot of it, but he's the sensible Aiden type, and then she goes with Big. Yeah, and yeah. she goes back to okay. Big. <laughs> so she's back with—that was kind of a cliffhanger. We didn't know who she would wind up with, and then there— We always knew. Well, yeah, but then in the, the very first shot of season three is Jade and Pinstripe having a grand time in the sack, so, yes. which is great for them. Sex is great. Very sex-positive, supportive show, which totally. is another thing that I like about this. In season one, Pinstripe like taught Jane how to have shower sex. Oh, that's right. So they're just like a very sexually forward duo together. Yeah. yeah. It's a big part of their relationship. Right. So, okay. Sutton. Let's yes. talk about Sutton. So Sutton starts bold type as uh, a, an assistant, mm-hmm. which is just like Aaron running the lowliest of lows. Maybe she's not—no, she, maybe she's an intern. Yeah, she's an intern. She's an intern because like assistants, they make you do a lot and don't pay you. So she's an intern and running errands and then secretly dating like— one of the high-ranking corporate members in the media conglomerate that owns Scarlet. So I think because it's Cosmo, it's 
we should assume that this is Hearst, though there are real elements of Condé Nast in it as sure. well. So anyway, he's that, like— That guy's played by Sam Page, mm-hmm. who you've definitely seen. He's Joan's horrible medic husband yeah. in Mad Men. He <laughs> felt like he's just been in so many things. It's crazy. Like, if you if you go to his He was in IMDb, the short-lived but loved by me, Pan Am. Yes, yeah. I like that as well. He was in Greek, which also short-lived and loved by me. He was just, like, in so many things. His name in real life is Sam Page, um, and he plays Richard. Okay. So, so, so his lovely boyfriend. So Richard, as we said, very high up in the corporate structure at the company— uh, that Sutton works for, which means he way outranks her, is definitely older than her, and they're having a clandestine affair in season one. How old do you think he's supposed to be? Uh, Sutton's like 26 or 27. 35. I thought older, perhaps. I, okay. thought, I thought he was maybe like, like 40. That's fine. I think more to the point, we got to talk about the power imbalance. Like sure. he is like a, it's like. <laughs> and Sutton would want us to because it's a big issue well, for her. So, listen, season one came out before Me Too. It and did, yes. they didn't. Totally, she was having the affair, and it kind of it ended. I don't really remember the timing, but it was a little. It, I'm not sure they would have written. Show, yeah, I'm not so. sure they would have written it that way. And then in season two, they very wisely acknowledge it, and she breaks up with him, and it's just like this is bad for my career, and it's important that I put my career first, and yeah. I don't want people thinking that I get a promotion or I got on staff or all of these things because of you. And she does the thing that, like, we're all taught to do, and many people find it hard to do, which is, you know, be responsible, put in professional boundaries at the office, and prioritizes her career. So, and then she does get hired, and she is suddenly, like, a fashion assistant guru whizzing around, and then at the end of season two, they get back together. Amazing. Yeah. And he's so dreamy and nice. But also, I think they literally do file— Yes. With HR. They do. They register it. So it's all above board. All good. Everyone knows about it. He comes to meet her in Paris, and it's beautiful. Which just, like, if you reflect on the history of the last 30 years of romantic comedies and how many of them involve a woman— Paperwork? And a woman dating her boss. (laughs) I know. But also paperwork. (laughs) But but no, in that sense, they don't go to HR, and they never, you know, none of the power dynamics are examined. So— Credit to Boltai for that. So basically, Sutton's Sutton's really happy. And then in this episode, Richard asks her to move in. Yes. And she lives with Jane. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it would be emotional to move out with her best from her best friend. And like, is she ready? They've only been back together for a month. And she takes it very seriously. I love Sutton. I love how much she weighs yeah. all of her options. And she will not be rushed into making a decision. I absolutely love it. She also is the one with, like, the hardest background. Yes. Kat's parents are the wealthiest. They're, like, psychiatrists from somewhere in the New York area. And Jane's family, her mom passed away. We know she had cancer. But— is not um, necessarily, like, she's, like, middle class. Sutton, her, she grew up with an alcoholic mom and, like, no money and, like, really just taking care of herself. And that's a big part of who she is. Yes. And one of the reasons why she's so career-focused. Yes. It's great. And so then Kat, the last one, just ended things with Adina, her, the, well, the woman who I think she would say is, like, love her life up to that point. She does say that. It's yes. the only person she's ever been in love with. And she's struggling to move forward from the relationship. And, like, so many people— has retreated from social media because it's too much for her right now and she doesn't want to put herself out there. She's not feeling great about herself. It's just too overwhelming. But because of her job, and I relate to this, she has to be on social media. And so it's sort of about Kat's main purpose in this episode is like how you project who you are and how you telegraph who you are via social media. And it's, it's really relevant. 
her character and the entire way that this show has treated social media is, I swear to God, smarter than anything else on TV and, frankly, most people working in media who just, like, they understand how social media works, how young people relate to it, how it—and there are these, like, hilarious scenes that would never happen where Kat goes to, like, present part of the issue or part of the social media plan to the board— of the company, which is just like, no, assistants don't do that. Magazine editors do present their issues, but you don't let a 24-year-old yeah. in being like, here's what we got to do on Instagram, and if you guys weren't so old, you would understand, which they do. But the speeches that she gives to these old people are very savvy, and yeah. I think they're also not jargony. She just kind of understands people connect to other people, people connect to message, young people connect to messages, this is how we need to position ourselves. And... Everyone in the room catches on with, like, astonishing speed. It's not how it works in the real world, but she's so smart about it. It is true. And so I think for the last two years, they've been exploring kind of how social media relates to magazines and how it's evolving and to, like, external forces. And in this episode, they're talking about they're finally investigating the effect it has on Kat. Right. And yeah, it's great. I, yeah. I love it. And then ultimately, the kind of the galvanating force of this episode, in addition to all of those three women in, in and the season, yeah, in their crisis, is that there's a new head of digital, head of the dot com, as they kept saying, the dot com. His, his character's name is Patrick Touchant, and he is like a young guy, probably a little bit, probably like around our age, right, like thirty five. Yeah. And he comes in. He's like the new new boss, and. Jane first meets him by accidentally car-dooring him, which I have done to someone in San Francisco. It is the most horrific thing you can do, and it just makes you feel so bad. But I love Jane because she was mad at him for not being in the bike lane. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. What were you doing? Jane, this is not a bike Uh, lane. Actually, I was riding with the flow of traffic, so that's totally legal. But thank you. At least I'll have a good story for my first day. Your first day? I would have thought you'd made tons of weed deliveries by now. No, that was my high school job. It's a classic Jane move. Classic Jane move. And so now Patrick Duchamp's a new guy. She, she's offended, rightfully so, that they've hired a man to be the head of digital for a woman's magazine. And he asks her to write a story about him so that people can get to know him. And she assumes that he's like some asshole and that goes searching for like a bad story about him. She has to reassess some of her preconceptions. And from there, um, we find out about Patrick. And ultimately, spoiler alert, she's going to be working for him this season. Mm-hmm. And Which is pretty clear from the minute that he shows up yeah, on screen. Absolutely. It's like, okay, so this is your new nemesis. Yeah. And it's about Jane adapting to him. It's also about the tension of, I mean, the concept of the digital director at a print magazine, I cannot believe how accurate this oh is. Oh, my God. These and people, also him coming in and like being a threat to everyone, like it's, mixing shit up. It's unbelievable. I. It's really honestly rude to... Because it's so accurate, and now there are so many digital directors that, I mean, they knew already how all the print people felt because print people are really snotty and, like, have never hidden it. But it's extremely funny. These tensions are happening in real time or continue. I think at this point, it's mostly transitioned, and now the digital directors are just in charge. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of what's happening here. Yeah. Well, yes. It seems to be the case because part of the reason he's been hired, we didn't mention this, was that— we haven't talked about Jacqueline. Yes, we haven't talked about Jacqueline. Jacqueline is the editor-in-chief of Scarlet. She's the Joanna Coles. She is played by Melora Hardin. Yes, shout out to Jan. From The Office. No Gold. Yeah, and Jacqueline is basically being punished for having published an article of Jane's 
that was critical of the company's health insurance policy. Related to her um, BRCA. Exactly. Yes. So I think many women who've decided to freeze their eggs or need to do IVF or anything else like that can really relate to that, where it's like just these like medical realities of being a woman that your health insurance does not cover because the world's fucked up. So it's really accurate, and Jacqueline does post that piece. And then at the end of the last season, I was like, is— is Jacqueline fired? Is she going to get fired? And it turns out no, but then there's this, like— They bring in this other dude to, like, yeah. dunk on her, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to hate Patrick, mm-hmm. and Jane hates Patrick right away. Yeah. But you learn that Patrick is just more complex than than Jane was allowing for. I mean, sort of. So let's talk about that. He's also very manipulative, though. Yeah. So he challenges her. He doesn't assign her to write a piece about him. He challenges her, and she's like, well, what if I investigated you? And he's like, go for it. And then she finds out that he was supportive of— one of his female colleagues yeah. in, in gender equity in the yeah. workplace. But then he, at the end, he's like, there's something about how— she ba- At first, he basically was like, I'll give you sources to talk to. And she's like, I don't need them. And then they come back around, and she's discovered the story about how he left his previous job and had a gap in his work history. And it's because he really stuck, stuck his neck out for his female coworker. And he's like— and he he wanted her to discover that story, and he said, I knew a good reporter would. So he's not trying to hide it, but he kind of, like, manipulated her into, like, respecting him in a way by knowing she'd find this story. Right. So it's both that he's a great guy and is—or you, you discover that he is a decent person or has some sense of priority, but also is really self-promoting. Yes. And that seems to be the tension in all his interactions with all people, that he is quite— ambitious but personally ambitious as opposed to the broader goal of Scarlet, which Scarlet, for better and worse in this show, has represented some sort of supportive feminine ideal that really no magazine can possibly support. But for these three women, it has provided a space for them. Yeah, I mean, no workplace necessarily should be that way, to be honest, in my opinion. Like, there's a difference between work and not work, and I don't know that a workplace should do that. But a lot of people, I think, do feel that way. So, you know, or at least when you're younger, I think that you do feel, like, this, like, community or, like, collegiality with your workplace when it's, like, such the center of your life, like it is for these three women, that any kind of, like, major change or change in leadership, like, hits you so hard because it's, like, it's filling the role that, like, the structures of college did for a while and before that was, like, family. And so it feels so personal before you move on to starting your own family and, like, really building out your own personal life outside of work. It's true. It should also be— really relate to this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also jobs at this point really do require young people especially— I mean, all Work people. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Is that they cultivate this sense of identity and connection to your job as a way to maximize. Right contribution to the job but it's just work but you're there every day and you don't choose the people you're surrounded by like it's crazy right it's such a so complicated work um so that's where we are with this season and amanda what's your just your one sentence review of the first episode i really appreciate all of the sex that was built into the show it was really I think, and I said this already, this show has been extremely open-minded and sex positive, but in a, a just a sweet way. Yeah. It's just really, it's it's inviting, and it just makes everyone feel a bit better, which I think, honestly, women's magazines have traditionally been pretty good at, of making yeah. it, you know, not scary or not. It's In many ways, it's just a feminized version. Totally. But this definitely starts with all three of, well, two of them, poor cat. <laughs> uh, just having... It 
it's not quite free. It's a little bit more than I expected of freeform sex. I will be honest. There's shower sex. There's morning sex. I mean, in both cases. Yes. Uh, there is walking around naked. There's an accidental dick sighting. There, it's there's a lot. It's it's sexy. Yeah, it's great. It, is it sexy? I, I mean, that's kind of the thing. I think it is. It's like towing the line, which is nice. It's like a little awkward, but also sexy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cute. <laughs> true, true to life. It's like, oh, that's nice that that's working out for you guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm like happy for Jane is how I feel. Like, I just feel like she's like finding a groove. Mm-hmm. And she just like wasn't that happy in season two. And I feel like she's finding happy. And so for I'm now, happy, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's episode one. I mean, and pinstripe. Then, you can't trust that guy. You can't trust pinstripe. pinstripe. And then she's obviously going to be fighting with the digital director the whole time. So... I know. Yeah. I know. His face was very distracting for me. First of all, he's got a very long face, so that's distracting. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I was like, I cannot place this motherfucker. But then I just realized via IMDb, he was in Mar- Mozart in the Jungle, oh, where yes. I believe he plays, um, what's that woman's name? The sister of Jemima Kirk? Lola Kirk's, like, kind of obnoxious boyfriend that she then ends up with, you know, the conductor okay. with. What is of, Mozart in the Jungle about again? One sentence. Um, a young woman who excels at the clarinet who joins the symphony. Oh, okay. And it's a comedy. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Season one was good. Okay. Um, why is this show a thing among people in our office? We've expressed this a little bit, but like, what's the essence of what makes this show something with a cult following? I think it's tonal a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to be too gender essentialist, but I do know a lot of women both in the Ringer office and outside the Ringer office of varying ages who love this show. And it's not something that they're watching with the men in their lives, I would say. And I think that there is something tonal about it. It feels like a secret safe space. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, We should credit Pat Muldowney, our social media guru, who also really loves the show. Yes, he does. Yeah, and I don't want to exclude him. He's been very vocal about that from the start. So it's not— it's Not only women. Yeah, and that's not—that's just observational. But I do think it feels different from the other shows on TV because it's not violent. It's not dark. I mean, it's, like, bright, exciting colors. And there's, like, sunlight. And people are making jokes. And it's a little earnest. And it really just has a different energy. And I— I think people enjoy that. I agree with you. Also, they're a little bit messy. I think that, like, what it really does is it takes the kind of, like, the when you watch Sex in the City when you're 20, the things that really, like, resonated and stood out, it takes those pieces and makes it way less aspirational. Because, like, they don't have the fancy clothes. They worry about money. They worry about jobs. It feels, like, a way more relatable. And, like, I kind of hate the Sex in the City comparison, but it's just because it feels easy. But it is really useful in this mm-hmm. in this situation. Some of it is just that they're younger. Yeah. And I do think, well, again, we'll talk to Kaya. Kaya's going to be our, our 20-something correspondent. Our focus group. But— I would say that most of the people I know watching this show are a bit older than the women in the show. Yeah. And there is something nostalgic about it of remembering a younger, hungrier, not more innocent, but just De- more enthusiastic. Definitely a drunker time for me. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Me too. They drink so, so much. much. It's like the Vanderpump cast. is realistic, I guess, at that time. But they're just like, yeah, another vodka. I have to go to work tomorrow. No big deal. And I'm just like, Really? I, I remember, do it? remember when, I guess. Seriously. Okay, what was the most important scene of this episode? We've got a few nominees. Ready? Yes. There were Sutton and Jane having ice cream in bed after 
Richard had asked Sutton to move in, and then she found out that he was telling people at work that she was moving in, that she hadn't consented, and that pissed her off, so she went home for the night right. to her bestie and roommate, Jane. Right, so that's the nice friend moment. Not complaining, but why are you here with me? Uh, this whole moving in with Richard thing, it, I think it's too soon. I don't want to lose this. Or this. Or this. <laughs> well, this will always be fine. But I'm happy to hear you say that. I want you to be happy. And I love you and Richard, but yeah, I'm not ready for this chapter to end. Really nice friend moment. And also, who doesn't want to eat ice cream with their friends? My college roommates and I devoured so much ice cream in our apartment. We we each had a spoon. We would leave it on the countertop and, like, come back throughout the night for, like, oh, just a scoop, just a little, a little more. Just a really, That's nice. It was really lovely. There was that. There was um, the moment when Sutton walks in on Pinstripe naked, and to cover his dick, he grabs a magazine that he had been reading, and he covers it, and it was open to an article about Jane's ex-boyfriend, the cute doctor. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> okay, well. Okay, I'm not laughing at you. I know. I'm just gonna. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. So that was like a good way of like wedging in. the do- Like we're not supposed to forget the doctor at all. Right. There was that. But also, we have not hired him to be on this season. Yeah. <laughs> I was following him on Instagram. I guess I'll unfollow now. No, that's tough. He was really cute. Lucas James leaves. And I name, honestly, I, I thought he took her issues very seriously. And maybe if she were a bit older, that would be the person for if her. She were, if she were like 37 instead of 27, she would have picked him. 37 is, how about like 32? 32. Okay. <laughs> I, it's so true. I mean. Maybe he'll come back in the future. I mean, there's no way Pinstripe is like her guy. He's just Maybe like, he is. I don't think so. Maybe he's the big. Maybe. Okay. Uh, who knows? All right. <laughs> Next contender. At the end of the episode, Sutton catches her boyfriend Richard talking to another older gentleman on the board of the publishing company, which is called Safford. And he's like asking about like their sex life or whatever. The old guy is. The old guy. You made it yeah. sound like Richard is oh, complicit no. in this. No, and it's not. really just the old guy being a creep. Which and is, being again, like, very believable. Yeah, hey, bro, you did it. Like, yeah. you're. What's it like? Yeah. And Sutton over here, and she comes over, and since they're like, you know, HR official, not just Facebook official, yeah. she kind of tells him off. And she's smart, talented, and wildly flexible. I mean, he has no idea how flexible. Mm. And he never will. Oh, you're married. That's great. Probably work on that. I got a feeling it's not going too well. Sutton is really good at telling people off. Yes. I loved it. Okay, another contender was when Jane had to dispel her preconceived notions about Patrick by talking to the woman who he defended. And it turned out that Patrick found out that he was making $1,000 more than this woman he worked with. So he showed off his junk to, like, make a point or something. It didn't completely make sense, but it was a good moment. Jane thinks that she's uncovered a case of him like exposing himself at work and it turns out that he in a small HR setting was protesting the underpayment of his colleague by doing something in the HR meeting so it was a good moment I'd love to talk and that one it's very clear that Jane catches this source on a weeknight as she's coming out of dinner and they just sit on this the street together which is just, that's reporting, you know? That's chasing a story, and I really respect it. 
I can't imagine in real life millennials being like, what we need to do is like meet on the sidewalk here on a weeknight yeah. instead of just like texting. But shout out to her. Yeah, I liked it. Why not? And then lastly, other important scene, Kat gives this whole speech in the bathroom about showing people only show themselves off on Instagram when they look amazing and pristine, but sometimes you need to show the pain. We always post the perfect photo of ourselves instead of showing what we're actually going through. So... This is the real me. Just for the way that you recounted that, I know that you don't think it's the cat Instagram scene. And just to like pull the curtain back on the process here, I sure. had to make Juliet include a cat scene because <laughs> she was just like, I don't care about this narrative. It's She's having a hard time she is. in this episode. It's never fun to be the one like with the real crisis. She's crying a lot. It's true. She's heartbroken. Sure. I just think that I'm so allergic to earnestness on social media. Okay. Unless it's like about like nostalgia, like the Backstreet Boys in like nostalgia, that it's very it's very hard for me to like to not cringe. Okay, but in the context of a twenty something whose job it is is to post about herself and her workplace constantly in order to up the brand. Yeah, it sucks. I feel for her. Then don't you at least respect the earnestness as opposed to the fakeness? Yeah, I do. I just. So it's not for you. I just have a real aversion to that kind of social media interaction. It's just not for me. I mean, I it's don't— It's definitely not for you either. I No, I know. But, I mean, you just shouldn't share anything in public ever is, <laughs> is how I feel, she says, while on a podcast. But, yeah, I, I agree. I, but I also think in the context of the character, it's an important narrative thread. That said, I am going in— going with you on this scene where Sutton walks in on pinstripe naked and there's the it's like a fun screwball moment it is really fun yeah it's really good number two is Sutton and Jane having the ice cream I just thought that was really sweet I love friendship it was very nice yeah <laughs> it was really cute uh, who was the MVP of this show of this episode yeah well I think it's probably Sutton it's probably Megan Fahey who plays Sutton She's the MVP of the show. Yeah. I mean, Sutton, against all odds, I'm not usually prone to really like the kind of, like, the character who's kind of, like, the perky, fashion-y, like, really pretty girl. But they've made her so much more dynamic than that. And that's, like, really good writing and, like, good work by the show. And she sticks up for herself and she knows what she wants and she's, like, very circumspect. And I don't know. I just, I fucking love Sutton. I guess I really need to... Rep for Kat. This was a, a downer episode for Kat because she's going through a lot. And as we learned from this episode of The Bull Type, we all do sometimes. And that's okay. It's important we to be honest do. about it. But she is also extremely dynamic. And she's doing a lot. They ask her to do so much. They ask her to be the mouthpiece for all of this stuff about social media. They ask her just to handle all of the queer politics in the show just as one person and most of the racial politics. Yeah. And she just makes it all like, look easy and natural, which it's certainly not. And she's a really valuable character. Like, yeah. Really, and also fun. She it seems like she might be the most fun of the group, actually. And she just is doing so much, and she carries it off pretty easily. And the most accomplished. Yes. And also, frankly, the tears seemed real in this it's episode. True. You know what? That was good acting. It was very sad. <laughs> she is really good. She's also okay. Australian. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, she's Australian. She plays an American very well. There we go. Aisha D. I think she just also has, like, a beautiful smile. Aisha D. Yes. Cat. All three of these women are beautiful. Yeah. They they really are. And like it seems like um Sutton is tall. Megan Faye. 
or taller. It seems like Jane is really is, yes is very. Small. She's. I did not like Jane at first, but she's really grown on me a lot, and now I and now I respect her. Respect the game. I think that that's you know the mission of the show. Yeah, absolutely. You're supposed to grow with her. <laughs> is there a Noah Centineo breakout star of this show? Of the show of this episode. Well, let's see. Of the show, I think you have to give it to the three young actresses yes. because are they famous? I don't know. I don't really think they are. But that's okay. They'll get there. But I think they're all great, and they carry the show. Yeah. Of this episode, do. I really felt that Peter Vac as Patrick Duchan was bringing a certain— He was bringing the heat. An energy of sorts that was really irritating in, and smug in just the right way. My philosophy for the dot-com, be open, right? Open your eyes, open your minds, and open your hearts. You see, the more open we are spiritually, the more open we become to new story ideas. That kind of thinking, it's what made me a success. And it's that kind of thinking that's going to make everyone in this room a success. He did play the part very well. Yeah, I mean, in terms of just, you know where the whole season's going to go and the what the tension and is going to be. Is he a hot person? I don't know. Because I don't, I, I just was so struck by how unique looking he was. But I was like, is this a hot person? I don't know. In general, if you're unique looking, then then you are hot. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, cool. we all we respond to variants evolutionarily. It's true. <laughs> Great point. Um, let's pick some nits about this show. This is a concept barred from our other podcast here at The Ringer, The Rewatchables. Okay. For all that it gets so right about media, it also gets many things very wrong. Yes. Number one is it kept referring to the dot-com versus the magazine. They're like, the dot-com. Like, this is for the dot-com. That's just, no, it's just not how people speak. Juliet, literally... We have a checklist that we use every day to, yeah, for production things. Right, and you named it. It doesn't say the dot .com. It just says dot .com. Okay, I, th- I feel like if you're talking about the magazine or the dot .com, you wouldn't say the magazine or dot .com, and you wouldn't say it's for magazine or it's for dot .com. So I understand. At ESPN, we did say dot .com. That's where I got that from. But okay. there was never a the. It was just dot .com. Okay. I, I cannot speak to what they do at Cosmo, which is, this is based on, but it's not not my biggest issue. It drove me crazy. I was wanting to be like, it's not the dot com. May I share some media-related nitpicks? Yes, please do. So the whole process of writing and editing a piece is just, like, not really how it works anywhere. Yeah. I mean, Jane is writing everything in under an hour, which— you know, if you're blogging a lot and you're expected to do several posts in a day, It'd be that's impressive. realistic. Yeah. But she is writing columns and reported pieces in an hour, and yeah. they seem to be edited exclusively in the CMS, which <laughs> drives me fucking nutty because you don't do that, number we one. in Google Docs here at The Ringer. Yeah, don't edit in CMS. And then at several points, the editor-in-chief is shown in the CMS— which that, Ridiculous. that's not that happening. would never happen. So, do you even go in our CMS? Like rarely, right? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I barely do as well. So that doesn't make any sense on a logistical sense. Let's talk about the fashion closet. Yes, let's. Okay. So the fashion closet. This is a very cute thing that they do. The fashion closet is the rallying point, and anytime there's a work crisis or they need to hang out. They meet in the fashion closet, and that's the space that these three relatively—you I, you know, Kat's not junior. Kat is a pretty senior person in the magazine at this point, but Sutton and Jane are fairly junior. In the junior. dot com as well. 
Okay. <laughs> just, are you just going to keep yelling the dot com at me? Yes. I just, it's plausible. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, what's not plausible is that these three people just having the run of the fashion closet. I know, where are all the other girls and, and guys that want to be right. in the fashion closet? Right. And also, they're just, they are really borrowing frequently from the fashion closet. Yeah, they're just they're wearing close. stuff all the time. And that is just like not happening in real life. I hate to burst the bubble, but you're not allowed in the fashion closet if you're not one of the, uh, Fashion girls. Yeah. I didn't put an adjective on that for a reason, but you can maybe hear it in my tone of voice. And then you're definitely not allowed to take anything out of the fashion closet because it's on loan. And if you were to damage it, you would, I mean, it's just out of the question. Yeah, you would get in trouble. So, but on the flip side, it's a nice fantasy. Wouldn't, if you worked at a magazine, wouldn't you like for that to happen? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The closest I ever got was the, the beauty closet is a bit more permeable things uh, can things can leave nice. and they don't have to go back and uh, I had a great friend at the beauty closet and that worked out great That's, for me that is wonderful yeah I'm, I'm happy to hear that Thank for you, you. Yeah. yeah and just in general it's a very collapsed view of like how a media company works the fact that right just, just I mean, streamline but the, TV, the okay. entire office space is just like four desks and one office and the fashion closet you have you ever thought about how they don't show any other part of the office except for that one corner yeah I know I love it yeah I really like it I also like um one thing that does work is Jacqueline's assistant is like this sort of like sassy guy mm-hmm. and he just sort of seems like semi-miserable all the time but also likes having access to the power I mm-hmm. feel like that's very realistic yeah that's a great supporting character <laughs> really great stuff I don't know how else we can recommend The Bold Type. I, I really, I just want you to watch it. And I also will say, once you watch Rail Through The Bold Type, just go straight to Younger, as we so mentioned. So I recommended The Bold Type to Juliet, and then Juliet recommended Younger to me. Yes. And Younger was one of the great TV experiences of, was it 2018 for me? For you? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 18. Yeah, that was extraordinary. Those episodes are less than 30 minutes, so know, you just really can go through them. You get three done in an hour, basically. It's electrifying. I will say, if for some reason you have watched both of those shows and have never seen The Devil Wears Prada, please investigate that. Oh, and of course, Morning Glory. One of oh, my, my God. One of my favorite Morning movies. Glory. So that's—I mean, we should do a whole other thing on broadcast on news TV as a subset of this, but yeah. You Morning should. Glory with Rachel McAdams and Josh Lucas. Yes. No, Patrick, Patrick Wilson. Wilson. How, can How I dare that you? Up? That's really mean. I, I'm yeah. losing my mind. And Harrison Ford, the much beloved and Harrison Diane Ford. And Diane Keaton. It's really a fun movie. It's, it's. I might buy that just to have on my phone. It's on Delta right now, just so you know. Shit, I have a Delta flight tomorrow. There Am- you go. Amazing. That's exciting. Oh my god, great, <laughs> fantastic. Um, and just to round this out. We need to talk to our producer, Kaya. Kaya, for you, as a woman in her 20s, what was the most realistic and what was the least realistic? Start with least so we can end positive. Start with least. Um, Probably the least realistic thing to me, and you guys mentioned this, was Kat going out to a bar on like what seemed to be a work night. And at one point, she orders just three straight. She doesn't even say shots of tequila. She just says three vodkas and gets handed three glasses of vodka. And it has to be, like, a very special occasion for me to go even to a bar on a weeknight, let alone, like, drink hard liquor on a weeknight. So, I don't know. As a soon-to-be 23-year-old, that seemed unrealistic to me. 
Um, Kaya, my response to that is that I need to take you out on a That I am in an Evans owe you, Kaya, three glasses of vodka on the weeknight of your choosing. Maybe I'm just lame then. I don't no, know. No, you're not. It's just like I as a boss should, not as a boss, but as an older person, should be making sure that every once in a while you are able to order three glasses of vodka as a young person. If, if that's what you want. And if that makes sense for your way of life. You can order any type of thing that you want. I'll take tequila. Thank you. Okay. Um, most realistic part to me was the like roommate dynamic between mm. Sutton and Jane. And like Jane is clearly like upset about Sutton leaving her and the the possibility of having to go roommate 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 list and also just like trying to be supportive on the one hand of your friend like progressing in their relationship. But on the other hand, like, scared that you're going to lose this person and have to, like, not only lose a friend, but have to find another roommate, which is an extremely stressful process. It really is. Friend breakups are much harder than real breakups in some ways. Who says they're breaking up? I, they're not. They're, they're not just, breaking up. Shifts in friendships in some ways are much harder yeah. than shifts in other relationships. I think also, like, this show really does, like, neat ends. It doesn't like to leave everyone with a sad note. So yeah, that's one of the reasons I like it. They've resolved it by the end, and Jane, like, manages to be really supportive and excited I'm about excited. the fact that Sutton is moving in with Richard. I'm excited to find out who moves in with Jane. I, feel, I hope it's a new character and not someone we, we already know. Oh, I mean, I definitely thought it was going to be Kat. But Kat's got a sweet pad to herself. Yeah, but she's lonely because she's heartbroken and no, you know. I'm just, why am I so mean to Kat? I'm like, stay over I, there, Kat. I just really don't know. But I, it just, the math is right there. The TV math yeah, is there that Kat moves in. It's, it's, it's or maybe they get the another face. place. Or maybe Ooh. Jane moves in with Kat. I don't really know. Interesting. We'll have to wait and see. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you watch The Bold Type on Freeform. I don't think you'll regret it. <laughs> 